Welcome to the Off-Field Rugby Pod. In this podcast, I uncover the secrets of how the best do what they do. And this is the podcast to listen to if you want to fulfill your potential as a player, coach or as a person. I'm your host, Brian Moylet, former Irish age grade international player, now mindset and performance coach and author of the book on how to become a pro rugby player. This is the only book written to help rugby players with the mental side of the game. And it's the book that I needed 10 years ago. The foreword is by Robbie Henshaw. You can get your copy now on Amazon. The audiobook is on Audible. And if you're not yet on Audible, you can get it for free using a trial. And the link for that is in the podcast description. Please follow me on Instagram at Offfield Rugby, LinkedIn, Brian Moylet. Send the pod on to some friends and please leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening. If you want to work with me one-on-one or with your team, please mesh me through my website, offfieldrugby.com. Cheers. Hey, I hope you're keeping well. So this week is a little bit different. Instead of a normal podcast, what I said I would do is give you the first chapter of my new book, the book on how to become a pro rugby player. So I put this out about 10 days ago, published it on Audible and iTunes. But last week, with Razor being announced as the new All Blacks coach, I thought that I would put out the Jed Robinson interview because Jed spoke about what it's like being coached by Razor. And he's also been coached by Jamie Joseph, Dave Rennie, and a number of other top New Zealand coaches who were in line for the All Blacks job and he kind of talks about his experience being coached by all of them so I just said hey I'll hold off on giving you the first chapter of the audiobook and I'll put out the Jed episode but anyway here we are and yeah as I said this is available on Audible and iTunes if you're not yet an Audible customer you can get it for free using the link in the podcast description which is pretty cool always good to get something for free and over the next two weeks then I will be putting it out on all the other platforms that you can get audiobooks on. There's about 40 of them from what I can gather. If you're new to the podcast over the last couple of weeks, I know there's lots of new people. Welcome. Thank you for clicking in. Really appreciate it. But if you've been here for a few months, you'll have heard me mention the audiobook. So it was a project of mine over December, January when I was back home to get it recorded, get it narrated. And while I was pretty busy going around to clubs and schools, doing talks and doing work with different teams, I was busy kind of getting through the narrating and editing it. And I said on here that I wanted to get it published by the time I came to Christchurch, which was early February. And I got it all narrated and then I went to publish it and they said, oh, the audio wave form is doesn't fit the requirements. And I'm like, yo, what is an audio blah, 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 wave form, something else? I have no idea. So I would look into it, try and fix it, get frustrated and repeat the process. Look into it, get frustrated and this went on for about two, three weeks. And anyway, then I, online I found a sound engineer who helped me change around the formatting of all the different chapters and get the audio right. And anyway, here we are. It's up and it's available. So I won't chat too much longer. 
And here is yeah the first chapter of my new book, which you can get on Amazon now anywhere in the world. If you live in Ireland, UK or New Zealand, you can get a signed copy by going to my website, which is offfieldrugby.com and getting the book through there. And lastly, you can get it on Audible and iTunes for the audio version right now and elsewhere soon. Cheers. Chapter one, what is your goal? If you couldn't fail, what would your goal be? Brian Moylet. Deep down, you know what you want to achieve in rugby. You've probably known this for quite a while. Maybe you want to play for your country. Maybe you dream of playing for the team you support. Or maybe your ultimate goal is for rugby to be your job. Everybody in the world has big dreams, but most people don't even try to achieve them. That's a fact. They don't even begin trying. You dreamed big when you were a kid, and you were encouraged to. When you're young, you believe that you can achieve anything, and you can. But as you got older, people probably started to tell you to be more realistic, that it's risky to try and be a professional rugby player, and that you mightn't be good enough. These people inadvertently are telling you that they don't think you are good enough. And the vast majority of people you come across will be this type of person. No worries. You don't have to listen to them. And you shouldn't. You can choose who you listen to and who you get advice from. If you think about the people who try to tell you to be realistic and don't put all your eggs in one basket, I bet that they didn't pursue their dreams. The vast majority of people in society don't like their job because a vast majority of people in society gave up on their dreams. Most people, by the time they are 17 or 18, have been conditioned by society to be realistic and to get a job. So they give up on their dreams. They choose a quote-unquote safe career path. Then they go onto LinkedIn and apply for whatever random job is there at the time. What rugby player do you admire most in the world? Take a second and think about it. Maybe it's Marcus Smith. Portia Woodman, or Bowden Barrett. Whoever it is, do you think that they would tell you that you are crazy for thinking you can be a professional rugby player and to give up on your dream and get a random job that you don't even care for? Professional rugby players are professional rugby players because they had a dream of becoming one and they didn't stop until they became one. When I was in high school, we had a career guidance class. The teacher told us about how we applied to university and talked about different courses we could take. We also took personality or IQ tests that would tell us which careers we were best suited to. And there were about 12 to 15 answers you could get, like accountant, nurse, lawyer, etc. Professional sports person wasn't even a possibility. Imagine if Dan Carter took that same test, actually listened to it, and pursued the career it told him he was, quote-unquote, best suited to. I'm sure he had those teachers like I did, and I bet you have them too. But imagine he gave up on his dream of being an all-black. You might say that Dan Carter was gifted, and he was. But insert any professional rugby player in there. Imagine they gave up on their dream and just got a job. I'm sure some high schools have changed in the last few years, and I'm sure that there are teachers out there that encourage people to follow their dreams, whatever they may be. If that has been your experience, you're lucky. 
Often older people like parents, friends and family will also discourage you from truly following your dreams. They'll tell you that it's very risky, that your chances of making it are so slim and that you should keep a backup plan. They are sowing seeds of doubt. Essentially, what they're saying is, I don't think you can achieve that. If this has been your experience, don't be angry or frustrated with them. They most likely love you, but they too have been conditioned by society to think this way. They've been conditioned to think cautiously and conservatively. Feel empathy for them. Of course, also, you'll have malicious people who will put you down and discourage you. But obviously, don't listen to them. And don't even surround yourself with those type of people. But have empathy for them too. Feel sorry for them. Deep down, those people are sad. People who are mean and negative, like bullies, are hurting on the inside. Today, people are starting to really understand how mental health is of paramount importance. I think that our health, mental and physical, is the most important thing in our lives. If you're depressed, anxious and in a dark place, it doesn't matter what else happens in life because you won't be able to enjoy it. Your experience of the world will be a sad one. There's lots of studies now which show that being unhappy in your job can seriously impact your overall mental health, causing problems with sleep, anxiety and depression. If you're still in school, think about a job you wouldn't like. And now think about having to do that five days a week for the next 40 years. Imagine choosing to spend nearly half your life doing something that you didn't like doing for no apparent reason other than you're too afraid to pursue what you really want to do in life. Nothing worth having comes easy. You only get one chance at life. You don't get to replay it and you don't get second chances. Too many people live small lives settling for less than they know they're capable of because they can't overcome their fears, uncertainties and doubts. Don't get me wrong, pursuing your dream is scary and it takes huge courage. Your mind will tell you to take the easy route. The mind is conditioned to look for comfort and safety, but by doing that you're not growing. By taking the easy route always, you're being less than you know you are capable of being. When you do this too often, you will start to see yourself as weak and lazy. And if you consistently do it, you will see yourself as worthless. If you always take the easy route, your self-esteem will drop considerably. And that's not good. You have to dare to be great. It's only through adversity that you grow. Imagine you're 18 and you play with the under 14s for a season. You'd probably crush everyone and it would be ridiculously easy but you know yourself that this wouldn't be fulfilling. Then imagine you play with the under-20s or an adult team. How much of a challenge would that be? But also, how much better would you get as a player by playing at that higher standard? Here's a poem I like. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. And be one traveller, long I stood, and looked down one, as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other, as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though, as for the passing there, had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, 
yet knowing how it leads, on to way. I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less travelled by, and that has made all the difference. Robert Frost To grow as a player you have to constantly challenge yourself. You need to live beyond your comfort zone. When you're training, don't just go through the motions. Give everything that you've got. Give it your full focus and attention. If it's not challenging enough, create internal challenges. Say you're playing touch. You can say to yourself that you're going to make twice as many touches as anyone else on your team. Or you could say that you're going to score more tries than the whole opposition team. If you're in the gym, you can always push yourself into that dark place. That place where the mind says, this is too hard. You've done enough today. Nobody will notice if you ease up a little. Don't let that voice, the weakness monster, win. Choosing the difficult route and overcoming adversity is like a muscle. It becomes easier the more you do it. A few years ago, I read about the benefits of taking cold showers in the morning. So I said that I'd give it a go. At first, it was really difficult, and I would only turn the water cold for five seconds at the end of my warm shower. I would think, how on earth can people do this every day? Then, I wouldn't do it for a few days because it was tough. And I'd lie to myself and say, oh, there's no need to. It's probably not worth it. Even though I had read lots of anecdotes and research into its proven benefits. This went on for a while, months probably. I would do the cold showers in fits and bursts, build up the time and then stop for a couple of days. But then one day I had a word with myself and said that I'm having a cold shower every morning after waking up. And that's what I did. For about the last two years, I haven't missed a day. And it's so much easier now than when I first started, because I've trained that mental muscle. Having a cold shower is dealing with adversity. Although it gets easier every day, there's never zero challenge. And that's the beauty. Every morning when I wake up, my mind will play tricks on me. It'll tell me that I can skip the cold shower today, and that I don't need to do it. Your mind will do this to you too. When you're doing fitness, it'll tell you to quit. When you're trying to eat well, it'll tell you to get the fast food. When you want to improve your sleep, it'll try and suck you into scrolling on your phone and staying up late. By taking the difficult route and overcoming that adversity in the moment, you feel proud of yourself and your self-esteem goes up. It's a small first step, but it builds. And then you start to see yourself as someone who can overcome difficult situations versus a weak person with no grit. If you're to achieve your goals and realize your dreams, you have to be the kind of person that can look adversity in the eyes and overcome it versus taking the easy route. You know the days when you don't feel like working out, but you know you should, or when you feel like eating junk food, even though you know you should be eating real food. Are you a strong person with a strong will or a weak person with a weak will? You need to decide that for yourself and start living that out through your actions. Joe Schmidt used to say to his players on the Irish team, win the moment in front of your face. This is a great mindset when playing and going throughout your life.
Don't worry about anything else. Just win the moment in front of your face. Get clear on your goal. Arnold Schwarzenegger was born in a small town in Austria in 1947, just after the end of the Second World War. His father wanted him to be a police officer, like he was, and his mother wanted him to go to trade school. The other options for someone like him growing up in Austria were to be a farmer or work in a factory. His parents wanted him to stay in Austria and live a normal life. But that was their vision, not his. Arnold felt that he was born to be something special. One day in school, when he was 11, Arnold's teacher showed them a documentary of America with the skyscrapers, big bridges and six-lane freeways. That day, Arnold decided that America was where he wanted to be when he grew up. Another day after school, when he was 14, he walked into a store and happened to see a magazine with the current Mr. Olympia, Reg Park, on the cover. In the magazine, he saw pictures of Reg Park on the big screen, starring as Hercules. Arnold saw that and said, that's the blueprint for my life. He was going to be a champion bodybuilder, and star in Hollywood films. So he started bodybuilding then at 14. At the age of 20, he won the amateur Mr. Universe title and he went on to win seven Mr. Olympia titles. He also became one of the most prominent actors in Hollywood. Everything he achieved was because he had a goal. He had a clear vision for where he was going. Can you imagine what people would have told that 14-year-old boy in Austria? if he told them what he wanted to do with his life. Michael Baska grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, and didn't know what rugby was until one day in high school, a coach, Tim Clumpers, who is a family friend, asked Baska to come out to a rugby practice and give it a go. Up until then, he had played the traditional sports that most American kids play, like American football, baseball and basketball. High school rugby in Kansas wasn't that big back then, and pretty much everyone who played picked up the game in their teens. So the standard wasn't like what you have in traditional rugby playing countries, where players are playing and learning the game from a young age. There are hotbeds of rugby in the States, like California, Hawaii, and areas along the East Coast. And these areas are where players traditionally would have come from to play for the USA Eagles along with foreign-born players that were eligible through heritage or residency. Shortly after he started playing, Michael was over at Tim's house one day after school, having a chat, and he saw a jersey on the wall. He asked his coach what it was, and he said that it was his USA Eagles jersey from when he played with the national team in the 1990s. Until then, Michael had no idea that there was a national team for rugby. He didn't even know where rugby was played outside of Kansas. So he asked his coach about the Eagles, learned that they played against other nations and that rugby was a global game played in quite a lot of countries around the world. You have to remember that this was before social media, where you can see things from all over the world and research. But that day, Michael decided that's what he was going to do. That was his vision. He was going to play for his country and become an Eagle. Knowing what his ultimate goal was, when graduating high school, he looked into how he could continue playing rugby in university. He said himself that he wasn't much good in high school, and he wasn't coming from a traditional pathway. 
but he managed to get into Arkansas State University and get a place on their practice roster. At the time, Arkansas State had a lot of foreign players, mainly South Africans, who were streets ahead of Michael and the other American players, because they have been playing their whole lives and grew up playing in established programs. Game time wasn't easy to come by, and you might think that this was a tough break, having to compete with far more experienced players. But Michael saw it as a massive opportunity to learn from them, which he did. After three years in Arkansas State, though, he felt he wasn't really progressing as much as he would have liked, so decided he needed a change of environment to kick on. He transferred to Lindenwood University, just outside St. Louis, Missouri, who, like Arkansas State, had an established and funded rugby program. Around this time, professional rugby was starting in the United States. First there was pro rugby, which folded after a year, and then the rumours of Major League Rugby began. Michael decided that's where he was going to go after he graduated, and would do everything he could to get there. Around this time, I moved to Lindenwood as a player coach, and became good friends with Michael. We'd hang out together after practice, and do extra gym sessions together. He would always be asking me questions about what rugby was like back home, what I learned playing on different representative teams, and what I think he could do to become a better scrum half. His teammates called him the hardest worker in the room, and he always was. But at the age of 22, towards the end of his college career, he was third choice scrum half on the team. I was then interim head coach and picking the team, because the head coach got the USA 20s job. Michael could see that the way things were shaping up, he wouldn't be getting into the match day 23. So he came to me and said, What can I do to get into the 23? I'll do whatever it takes. I'll play fullback or wing, wherever. So we had a chat, talked about kicking and other skills he could work on. He went off and, once again, worked harder than anyone else. There was nobody in the same league as him when it came to work ethic. He was the first person to practice and the last person to leave. He would work on his skills outside of practice and do extra sessions in the gym, working on his agility and speed. And he just wouldn't stop. I put him in at number 23, and he would get some minutes towards the end of games, at wing or 9. For some games, the starting 9 moved to 10, so Michael became the second choice 9. Major League Rugby was starting the year Michael graduated. And as you can imagine, no team was calling up the guy who was number 23 on the 4th or 5th best college team in the country. So Michael picked up the phone and called them. He was desperate for an opportunity, and when talking to the MLR coaches, he said he'd do anything. He'd play wherever they needed him to. He'd help coach youth teams, whatever it took. He was desperate to get a chance. The general manager at New Orleans Gold, decided to give him an opportunity and gave him a contract. After two seasons there, the staff in New Orleans had been impressed and offered him another deal for a third season. But he had less than a handful of starts during that time and decided he needed to go elsewhere to get more opportunities. So he said, thanks but no thanks, to the New Orleans GM and started contacting the other teams in the league. He was taking a leap of faith by turning down a contract offer He wasn't having much joy, and with the new season approaching, things weren't looking great. He couldn't find a club that wanted him, 
But then, just before the start of the season, while he was training on his own, without any contract, Utah Warriors called him and gave him an opportunity. They needed a backup nine. So he did what he's always done, and worked harder than anyone else, and got some regular playing time. Still mainly as a sub, but he was making big plays when the opportunities came, and started really impressing. At the end of that season, he got selected for a USA Eagles camp. Then he got selected for the USA Eagles summer tour. He went and played against England in Twickenham and Ireland in the Aviva Stadium. A few months later in October, he played against the All Blacks. He had realised the goal he decided upon all those years ago as a teenager in Kansas City. How many times along that journey could Michael have quit? Imagine if he had asked others for advice what they would have told him. It would have been easy to quit, and to most people it would have quote-unquote made sense, or been the quote-unquote logical thing to do. For the vast majority of players who get to the top in rugby, the journey is a long one, with lots of setbacks and adversity. You need to have a very clear goal, a vision of where you want to go. You need to know where you're going, so then you can keep moving towards it. Take a moment now to think about what your ultimate goal in rugby is, your vision for your life. You might already know it, but get crystal clear on it. Write this down somewhere that you're going to see it every day. It could be on a page on the wall of your bedroom, or the inside cover of your journal, or as a screensaver on your phone. You have to decide now if you're going to go all in, and actually dedicate your life to achieving your ultimate goal in rugby. Only if you go all in, will you be able to realise your true potential. Other options are to float about and cross your fingers and hope that it happens. Or to just decide now that rugby is a hobby. Thinking about truly going all in can be really scary. I'll talk about the common fears and explain why they shouldn't hold you back and how you can push through them. I'll also show you later in the book how you can go all in on rugby and still develop skills, expertise and qualifications in other areas because of course no matter what happens for you there will always be life after rugby. Playing rugby doesn't last forever and you have to be prepared for when that day comes. Thankfully you can go all in on rugby and prepare yourself in the best possible way for when you need to go into the quote unquote real world. Be disciplined. Most people don't go all in on pursuing their sporting dreams, not even those with lots of talent. So therefore, you're not going to be able to live like most people. Most people don't hold themselves accountable. They eat crap food when they feel like it. They go out drinking at the weekends because they think, why not? And skipping workouts doesn't really bother them. Once you decide that you're going all in on your rugby, absolutely 100% all in, you will start to orient your life around that and naturally start living your life accordingly. Think about somebody who has achieved the things in rugby that you want to achieve. How do you think they live their life day to day? Below are some things to think about. Do you think they eat wholesome nutritious foods or whatever processed stuff is on offer in the freezer section? Do you think they stretch every day to recover and get their bodies right? Or do they not care about recovery? 
do they get eight hours of sleep a night? Or is their sleep schedule erratic? Do they give 100% in every training session they do? Or do they go through the motions if they're not feeling it? Do they review game tape when it's available to see where they can improve? Or do they not bother? Do they drink alcohol every weekend? Or do they only drink the odd time? Or very seldomly? Or not at all? Do they live like an elite athlete and make decisions day to day in accordance with that? Or do they live like regular people who don't have any athletic ambitions? Think about how that person lives their life and start to live that way yourself. Success is not something that you aim at and hope one day it happens. Success is a byproduct of your daily actions. You first become that person. You keep doing the right thing and living the right way, day in, day out. Then success will just happen. You focus on being the best version of yourself each day and success will flow to you. You can't have a poor lifestyle and just hope that one day there will be some big event and boom, everything works out. You've probably heard the term, trust the process. That's what it means. The process is the day-to-day. You have to get comfortable with the mundane things and the difficult decisions, day in, day out. And trust that if you keep doing these things, that success will come. Another thing you need to do is to fall in love with the process. The day-in, day-out process isn't really that exciting. You're eating healthily, going to bed early, stretching every day, and making difficult decisions in the moment, resisting temptations. It's mundane and somewhat boring, but you have to fall in love with it. In the 1970s, when Arnold Schwarzenegger was at his prime, they shot the film Pumping Iron, which followed him and other top bodybuilders around. It showed them working out and preparing for the Mr. Olympia competition. In an interview years later, talking about the training footage in the gym, he was asked, How come you were always smiling all the time? You were working so hard and the other guys had sour faces. Arnold said, I had a goal. I had a vision of becoming Mr. Olympia. I couldn't wait to do another 500-pound squat, 500-pound bench press, or 2,000 sit-ups. I couldn't wait to do another rep, because I knew that each rep I did brought me closer to my goal. Being a rugby player is no different. You have to love the training, love the gym, and the conditioning. All that exists is the present moment. The future is just a thought in your mind. Stop worrying and thinking so much about what may or may not happen in the future. You can't control that, so stop trying to. All that you can control is what you are doing now. When you're training in the wind and the rain in the middle of winter, be happy that you get the opportunity to improve. There'll be others who'll fake an injury and take the session off. When you have a gym session to do, but you're not quite feeling it, be happy that you get to go there and get better. There'll be others who'll have asked that session. When you have to stretch after a tough workout, you're wrecked and you prefer to just lie on the couch and watch Netflix, be happy that you get to stretch and move closer towards your goal. Others will skip the stretching, lie to themselves and say it doesn't really matter. Then they'll be sore tomorrow, but you'll be feeling good kicking on again and growing.
one of the most important agreements that you need to make with yourself is to do what you said you were going to do. Your word is everything. And this isn't just a spoken word, but also the things that you say to yourself in your head. Once you say to yourself that you're going to do something, you don't have any choice in the matter once it comes to doing it. It doesn't matter how you feel, doesn't matter what is happening, or what else you would like to do. You do what you said you were going to do. If you say you're going to do 10 minutes of skills or fitness at the end of training, stay true to your word and do it. If you said earlier that you're going to put your phone away at 8pm and read a book, when 8pm comes, you put your phone away and you read the book. You cannot make decisions based on how you're feeling in the moment, because the mind will nearly always tell you to take the easy route. You'll also probably be a little tired or fatigued when the time comes, but all good. You can still be true to your word. This can seem tough at first, but after a while it becomes easier and you start to love it, because you gain huge respect for yourself. You start to become really impressed with yourself for having such strong willpower and not being that weak person who just takes the easy route and lies to themselves, saying it doesn't matter. Jocko Willink, a retired Navy SEAL and now prominent leadership consultant, tells people that discipline equals freedom. Discipline allows you to practice the daily habits that get you the things you want. If you are disciplined with your money, you get to go on a holiday after a few months. If you're disciplined with your exercise and diet, you get the body and energy that you want. If you're disciplined with your lifestyle and training, you get to play the rugby down the line at the level that you want. Embrace self-discipline. Doing what you've done so far has gotten you to this point. I know that you want more, so you're probably going to have to become more disciplined. This can scare people, and once again the mind will tell you not to. It'll tell you to take the easy route. The mind will try to tell you that it's not worth it, and to just do what's easy and comfortable. Don't listen to it. You've got a goal to achieve, and a vision to realise. Fear of failure. The fear of failure cripples most people, or because of the fear of failure, most people will play it small. They'll always have goals that are very realistic, ones that they know they have a good chance of achieving. You have to dream bigger than this. If you couldn't fail, what would your goal be? Your goal should scare you. It should seem ridiculous, and it should be way out of reach. Anyone that ever achieved something great, at one point, was miles away. At one point in their lives, going after that achievement would have seemed crazy. Daring to be great is crazy to a lot of people. So what? It's a lot more fun and exciting, daring to be great, and to others seeming a little crazy than it is to just play it safe and do something boring with your life. Most people would never truly try to be the absolute best they can be, because they worry that they will fail. Jim Carrey said, The decisions we make in this moment are based in either love or fear. So many of us choose our path out of fear disguised as practicality. Failure is good. You actually want to fail. You need to fail. Pretty much everyone gets dropped at some point. Everyone loses big games, and everyone 
plays poorly at times when it really matters. Everyone who does anything impressive fails along the way. Most of us grew up in societies where we are conditioned to believe that failure is bad. If you missed a kick or dropped a pass, it was bad. If you got the kick and made the pass, it was good. If you won the match, it was good. If you lost the match, it was bad. Your coaches were probably happy when you succeed and disappointed when you didn't succeed. Maybe also your parents were the same way. Happy when you got good results in school and disappointed when you didn't. Because of this, you learn to fear failure. You believe that failure is bad and that if you fail, you will get rejected and won't get the admiration that you want. All high achievers have the exact opposite view of failure. They embrace it and they know that it's necessary. When you're afraid of failing, you start playing really conservative and don't take any risks. But you know deep down that if you play rugby over cautiously and are afraid of making mistakes, You'll never express the greatness that you have inside you and show the world what you're truly capable of. Playing cautiously and conservatively isn't even fun. And if you keep doing this, over time, you're going to have a lot of regrets because you'll know that you're capable of so much more. J.K. Rowling said, It is impossible to live life without failing at something unless you live so cautiously that you might as well have not lived at all. In which case, you fail by default. You have to dare to be great. When you play rugby, you have to have the courage to try and be the absolute best version of yourself. You know deep down what you can do. Your instincts tell you. When you're playing in the zone, you're carefree. You're not thinking and overanalyzing what to do in every situation, weighing up pros and cons and the percentage chance of it working. You're just in autopilot. In this autopilot, you get a feel for what to do, whether to give a pass, kick, take it into contact, offload, or go for the tackle. This is when you play your best rugby. In this state, you're not being controlled by the rational mind. You're not thinking of consequences. You're just in the moment. If you're afraid of failure, You'll be in your head the whole time that you're playing, and you'll be overthinking. If you're afraid of failing, you won't ever access the zone, and you won't play your best rugby. Later in the book, I'm going to give you tools on how you get into the zone. But for now, just know that the fear of failure holds you back in all areas of your life and can cripple you. If you dare to be great, for sure, you're going to make mistakes. And yes, you might have a coach right now who is one of those who thinks everything is great when it works and everything is awful when it doesn't. But don't let that deter you. Failure is just a data point that you learn from. Stop caring about outcomes, winning or losing, and just focus on winning the moment in front of your face. Some days you'll lose. Who cares? You can't actually control outcomes. You can only control the moment you're in. Michael Jordan said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times, I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over 
and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. If you're in the gym and you fail on a rep, it's good data for where your strength is and how you should move forward. If you're training and a skip pass doesn't go to hand, it's data that you can learn from. Why didn't it go to hand? Did you not take into account the wind? Did you not scan the defence before you caught the ball and therefore didn't see the shooting defender who intercepted it? Or do you need to practice your skills? When you fail, find out why you failed and work on it so that you can succeed the next time. Then you'll fail at something more complex and challenging. Just repeat the process and keep learning and growing. The same way if a team loses a match, they analyse it to find out why and then work on giving themselves the best chance of succeeding in the next match. Up until now, you've probably, at times, had reservations about following your dreams in rugby because they seem so far away. It seems nearly crazy to believe that you can achieve that based on where you are now, and that there's such a high chance of you failing. So you sell yourself short and decide on a goal that's, quote-unquote, more realistic. Your dreams should scare you. Absolutely. They should be so big that you don't want to tell many people because you know that they'll tell you that you're crazy and that there's no way you can do it. Richard Branson said, If your dreams don't scare you, they are too small. You can only ever achieve what you aim at. And by aiming lower, you're limiting what you can achieve. You're putting a cap on yourself. All because you're afraid of failing. Don't worry about what others think of you. Seriously, stop putting any energy into thinking about what goes on in someone else's head. People are afraid of being courageous, ambitious and daring to be great because of what other people will think. People are also afraid of failing in public because of what other people will think. This way of thinking will hold you back so much in life it's crazy. Not caring about what others think of you is the most liberating thing in the world and it's crucial to become the person that you know you can be and achieve your goal. Worrying about what others think. Man in the Arena. A speech by Theodore Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never know victory nor defeat. Fast forward 70 or 80 years, and imagine you are on your deathbed. You've lived a long and healthy life, but your time has come. Do you want to be lying there full of regrets? Thinking to yourself, I was a good rugby player when I was younger. 
I know deep down that I could have done big things if I just had the courage to go all in and pursue it. Bronnie Ware is an Australian woman who worked for years as a caregiver for people that had serious complex illnesses and were approaching the end of their life. During the time she spent tending to those who were dying, Bronnie's life was transformed. In 2009, she wrote a blog post outlining the most common regrets that sick people she had cared for had expressed. By 2012, the blog post had been viewed by over 8 million people, and that year she released a book called The Top 5 Regrets of the Dying. The book has been translated into 29 different languages, and the top regret that Bronnie found that people at the end of their life had was, I'd wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I realised a few years ago that having regrets later in life will be really awful. I'm sure you'll agree. You only get one life. This isn't a trial run. And you don't get to go back and do things a different way. Not everybody is as fortunate as you. Not everybody has the opportunity to follow their dream the way you do right now. Some people are born into harrowing poverty. Some are born with debilitating diseases that mean they can never play sports. And unfortunately, some people die when they're young. While you have this chance, you may as well dare to be great, to follow your dreams and give it everything you've got. Cheers for listening in today. Would you do me a favor now and send the podcast on to some friends or into your WhatsApp group? That takes less than 30 seconds, but I would hugely appreciate it because that's how the podcast grows and how more people get value from it. If you're an ambitious player, serious about getting to your next level and would like to feel more confident, enthusiastic and certain of success, get in touch through my website offfieldrugby.com and we'll sort a time to chat over Zoom. Everyone understands the importance of getting help with your physical development through an SNC coach and the best players in the world understand the importance of getting help with your mental development through a mental skills coach. So don't be worrying about your future. Don't be hoping that you're doing the right stuff and hoping that things will work out. Get in touch. We'll work together monthly and you will love how much better you feel. You'll love how certain you'll feel about where you're going, about your future and how much more confidence you will have in yourself. Or if you're a coach and you would like to give your team an edge out there in the field, then get in touch through the website as well. And we can chat about how we can help your team through a Zoom session. You know, it's funny. I've been there myself as a coach. You spend ages working on a play or a call that they mightn't even do or it doesn't come off. So essentially, that's all time wasted. But you do one mental skills session with your team and they learn tools and strategies to deal with nerves, have more confidence and self-belief and instantly their performances can go up 10, 20, 30% each. You add all those percentages across a whole squad and it's literally a complete game changer for your team. And your players will be so thankful to you and you look great. So yeah, if you're a coach, get in touch via offfieldrugby.com 
and you and I can have a chat over the phone to suss where your team is at and what they kind of need. I'll link all my socials below at Offfield Rugby for Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Brian Moylet for LinkedIn. Add me there so we can stay in touch. And hey, thanks again for spending some time with me today. I hope you're keeping well. Have a good one. Cheers.